what's at the heart of all adult faith formation in the Catholic Church is the Word of God. Whether it is the Word of God through the written Word or whether it is the Word of God through the tradition of the Church and the handed-on faith of the Church, that's what we're trying to connect with. Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life, conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Today's show is about faith development. I'm your host, Peter Holmes, and I'm joined by a dear friend, David Schutz, an old hand on the podcast. Welcome, David. Thank you very much. Good to be back. Uh, There are many good reasons I've invited David to talk with me on this topic, but let's perhaps set some background to the topic. We're Catholic people. Uh, What are we doing talking about faith development as if it were something akin to uh, professional development? Everything that grows develops. Um, If you're not developing, you're not growing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So so it's a part of our growth as Catholics. Um, I think the starting point we have to see is our baptism. When we're baptized and the Holy Spirit is planted within us, and we begin a life and a journey, uh, whichever metaphor you want to take, within the Catholic faith, within the church. We need something to feed us, to help us to grow along the way. And I think Jesus made the point pretty clearly when he said in the Great Commission, he said, go unto all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. Those those two verbs are the subsets of make disciples. So he says, make mm-hmm. disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. Those are that's how you make verbs. disciples. Yes, yep. we often forget the teaching part, don't we? And it makes sense that there's teaching there because otherwise we could get a giant hose out in the middle of one of the big malls <laughs> in the city and just say, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and they <laughs> well, all be baptized. Also- we also tend to think of it when we hear the word baptism, we're thinking of children and we're thinking of teaching children. But this was not what was in the mind of, well, I can't say what was in the mind of Jesus, but it wasn't in the mind of the early church when they were pushing out because they were reaching out. They were going, they were in mission and one, they were baptizing people, bringing them into the church. They knew there was a lot of work yet to go. It didn't yes. stop at that point. Well, we could talk about the ancient catechumen, and I remember one of some of my postgrad study in as a Lutheran was looking at Augustine's um, idea of the catechumen versus the RCIA uh, in modern Catholic Church. A lot of work went into pre-baptismal catechesis because of mm-hmm. the adults. They had almost three mm-hmm. years in some cases. They would be trained and they would have to hear homilies constantly. They would learn usually from the Book of Syrac, apparently, which is why mm. it's called Ecclesiasticus because it was the church's book. <laughs> but the the entire catechetical background led up to baptism. What is part of our RCIA theoretically is what they call the mystagogia, I think, if mm-hmm. I pronounced the, it correctly. The liturgical education. Mm. That's right. Teaching but from also, the sacraments, yes. It's also supposed to continue on after baptism. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm one of those weirdos who was baptised as an adult um, I, I was brought up in a Christian tradition that didn't do baptism for, of infants. And so I was baptised as a Lutheran at the age of, uh, I think, 19 or 20, and then received into the church at 30. So I've had a kind of initiation <laughs> overload <laughs> in both cases. But in each case, once you had been received or baptised, they, they kind of assumed that it was over, like the catechetics mm-hmm. was over. 
you might turn up to Bible study as a kind of a communal or a, a friendship thing, but there wasn't the assumption that you continue to develop yourself in understanding and wisdom. Yeah, so it's more co- quite common these days to hear, uh, especially in adult education circles, to hear the term lifelong catechization or the like. Um, so yeah. the, well, um, evangelization is something that happens to you. And, and it should be happening to you all the time. We need God's grace. We need the good news every day. A couple of different, just a couple of different thoughts here. When we're talking about evangelization, it's it's the first announcement, the preaching, the charisma of the gospel that we're hearing. And so you hear, uh, as Pope Francis says in, um, I think, Evangelii Gaudium, we hear that Jesus loves us, that he lived and died for us, and that he's living now with us to guide us. And that starts the heart burning but the we we put a bit more fuel on the fire and after the preaching after the proclamation of the gospel then comes the catechesis the teaching the didactic work that needs to be done it does i have a friend who pointed out to me quite early in my university life that most people in australia either do an apprenticeship or some kind of traineeship or a degree at least a degree Mm. in preparation for their profession and they're usually educated to quite a high level uh, and they've quite refined skills specialized in that area but when they come to their faith they're still operating with a sunday school level of catechesis Mm -hmm. so they know the basics they can perhaps recite the catechism and a few bible texts but and they might be What's interesting is the internet has meant that they can go deeply into a topic that they really like, and mm-hmm. they'll be quite quite knowledgeable about one particular area that they've been interested in, but there's huge gaps in the intellectual development. Now, what mm-hmm. he pointed out about this is that when their life throws up a situation, like their professional life in particular, that is quite complex and quite engaged at a high level, their faith just doesn't seem to be able to keep up, mm. even if they've got a, a, a strong will to be uh, faithful Catholics. They, their, their intellectual life and their, their development as a person can't keep up with that level. And mm. so there is a grave need for people to develop themselves in that wisdom and that understanding. Yes, it's very common, not only in Catholicism, but I know also in Judaism and Islam to go to Google and say you've got Rabbi Google and you've got Imam Google and we've got Father Google (laughs) as well, I guess, that we go to to find what we're looking for. But I think it's really positive, just like the catechization we do in preparation for baptism, it is guided and directed. I think it's useful for us to take some direction ourselves, whether it comes from our spiritual director or whether it comes from joining an adult education group that might, or, or, or institution that gives some guidance in the different areas that we can study and the different areas we can learn and grow. And just to be clear, this is not suggesting that people are being patronised or as if they're, they're not capable of this level of thought. Uh, guidance is something that just simply helps us refine our thoughts so that we're not trapped in our own head and the own, our own cycle of things. We, we have input from outside. Yes. We get to test those ideas in an adult context. So part of, part, I mean, to be a self-didact or a self-taught person is a lovely thing, but um, the discipline of learning 
actually requires a teacher. So there is a teacher-student relationship can grow. And there's a lovely interpersonal thing that happens there as well. I mean, I've um, just recently returned to educate higher education again, and I set out with the idea of enrolling in as many different courses as I could to get a broader, different as idea. And I started off courses thinking, what's this person teaching me? What a load of rubbish this is. <laughs> and then 12 weeks into the course, I'm, I'm going to the teacher and saying, thank you so much. You've opened my eyes to a part of the world, part of the faith that I wasn't aware of. And I've grown in that. And it's hard for me now to look back over the last couple of years and see the things that I have learned compared to the, I'm always embarrassed by my ignorance, but I know. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. the, being embarrassed by our past ignorance is probably a good sign that we've come a long way, and that, that's, mm. that's a good thing in itself. One of the problems for Catholics is, is knowing who to rely on, knowing who mm -hmm. can, in fact, teach us, because let's, let's be frank, there are, there are quite a few people who claim to be Catholics, online in particular, and, and they are Catholics, let's not dispute that. If someone's baptised in the Catholic Church, then they're Catholics, but they claim to represent Catholic teaching and they come up with many different versions of it. And some, some versions are quite harsh and, and not very well in keeping with the love of Christ or perhaps sometimes the truth that Christ taught. Who do we rely on and how do we come to, you know, how do we find ourselves that guide? This is a very good question because even in terms of institutions that may some may have the name Catholic in their name, it's something that you need to investigate a little more deeply in terms of what their ethos, their mission statement is, what they require of their teachers in terms of um, commitments to the faith. Yeah, that's an excellent question, David, in fact, because whether we like it or not, there are most Catholic institutions do not require you to be a Catholic to work for them. Mm. And therefore, quite rightly, um, they don't expect everything that these people teach to mm. be uh, Catholic because it's quite unjust. For example, if you have chosen to employ a Jew or a, a Muslim or someone to teach something or an evangelical mm. to teach uh, something they don't believe. Now, whether or not that's a good choice for them to do that is another question. But in terms of the reality of our our situation, we have to be aware that that's the, that's the yeah. case. The responsibility of academic institutions is that they teach in a, a, according to academic standards. And right. that's, that's always the, that's their the first... Secular responsibility, yes, you mean? that's their secular responsibility. And, but many, many um, Catholic institutions... Uh, and rightly so, they have to meet those academic standards. Um, the They don't always have the same sort of expectation in terms of ecclesial standards. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, Pope John Paul II actually wrote a letter on this. I remember some... Um, Excorde Ecclesiae. That's the one about the, um, the role of a Catholic a scholar, a Catholic teacher of theology. Yes. yes. You'd probably know and, more about that than I would. Well, we, we have, interestingly enough, David, I, I didn't actually intend to bring this up, but at Notre Dame, we have um, regular professional development on the document, Ex Corte mm -hmm. Ecclesiae, because it is the guide, the Catholic guide, the modern Catholic guide to how to be a university uh, lecturer, how to, how to do a university thing. Now, we have to be said, though, that uh, as far as I'm aware, Notre Dame is one of the only universities in Australia that um, requires their theology lecturers in particular 
to get their mandate from the Archbishop of the diocese they're in, which means that, you know, we have to swear before God that we're going to teach Catholic stuff. Now, that doesn't mean we're not open to other ideas. It just simply means that when we present them, we present them from the point of view of a Catholic inquirer uh, who who is open to questions uh, but brings the students to a Catholic mindset. Having said that, university is not for everyone. Right. Um, I would love if everyone came and did a Bachelor of Theology at Notre Dame. That would be fantastic. I hope you all do, and, and please contact me if you'd like to do that. But not everyone wants to go to university. Not everyone can afford it. Not everyone has the time for it. So where do they go? Uh, right. So we really do need to make a distinction between adult faith formation and Excellent. academic learning. Um, and adult faith formation is available in many places. It may be available in your parish. Yes. It may uh, be available through something in your diocese, a program that your diocese runs, although sadly, the for financial reasons, quite often our dioceses are not actually running their own adult education programs anymore. There yes. may be lay movements um, and uh, ecclesial movements that are running faith formation programs near you. More and more often today, thanks partly to COVID and uh, the way we've got <laughs> used to using online sources, you will find live programs you can sign up on, live or pre-recorded where you actually are guided by, um, right. I worked with Bishop Mark Edwards um, with the OMIs, the Oblates, um, preparing a online learning program that they were making for those who are part of the um, OMI community. Right. And so there may be these sources you can find in that way as well. Now, having said that, David, I, I've got some excellent friends who are, who've presented um, brilliant resources from the Augustine Institute in Denver, um, mm -hmm. like a four-year study of scripture in, in groups. So they've done an amazing job of that. And um, Bishop Barron's got some fairly good yes. resources for a light, word on light, fire. Yeah, light in, um, introduction to these things and the kind of the watch the video and then have a discussion is a good way of going about that. But it has to be said, that the human interaction, the human mm -hmm. conversation, the human uh, bouncing around of ideas, the testing of ideas, the disagreement in good faith, coming to an understanding of the faith is an essential yes. element of this formation. So, so if you... Um so I'll bring in something that I'm doing to work together with a colleague of mine, Excellent. Natasha Marsh. Um, we have uh, initiated a program here with the Catholic Women's League of Victoria and Wagga Wagga uh, through Anima Women's Network, of, um, which we call Anima Education. And we've done it especially for this period of time that we're going through now, which means that we can run courses when we are able to meet face-to-face. -face, we nevertheless, as well as live classes, those live classes are available on Zoom. So people can log in and be in the classroom along with those who are uh, there present. And the live conversation takes place between the lecturer and the students, including the students on Zoom. And then there are tutorials. We break into tutorial groups um, using breakout groups on Zoom and real life if we can do that. Um, because we do believe that rather than watching a pre-recorded 
uh, program. And you can learn things from that, but it is exactly the personal interaction. And we yeah. often find after our sessions that um, folks stay logged on to Zoom or in the room <laughs> and we keep talking long behind the, beyond the end of the lesson. I have to say, David, that my memories of lecturers, and you're probably yours too from the seminar we both attended, are very much about the anecdotes of the mm. non-educational moments, which actually taught us more than the the, the content of the classes. Um, yes. I distinctly remember uh, Dr. Elmore Lesky's mannerisms in Greek more than the content itself, <laughs> and, and he taught me with his passion for the language. He taught me more than his, you know, the the specific content mm. of the lessons. In the same way, the Bible studies I've attended, I recall the interaction of persons, the way they treated each other, the passion they had, the the um, the differences of opinions they had, and how they expressed them. And I I have this aversion to canned education. That's what yes, I call canned yes, education. Yes, the yes, education yes. you can kind of yep. undo in a prepackaged deal yep. and then do the prepackaged activities. Yep. It's much more, much better when you have a messier, organic uh, situation. And the reason for that, there's an ecclesial reason for that, a churchly reason for that. And that is that we are a community. We don't learn alone. The whole point of the ancient catechesis was that you learned as a group of catechumens. You learned it's part of the community. And so our adult education, our adult formation should also be deeply rooted in the community rather than an individual pursuit. It's an interesting thing that's come up about COVID is that they talk about you, it doesn't stop you praying, it doesn't stop you having faith, and you go, well, <laughs> those of us who are Christians know that Christianity is an ecclesial faith. That means mm. it's we're a, we're a, a called together community, mm. and when we're not able to come together, there's a serious impediment of that of that faith. Yeah. It also works that way in education. Now, we're going to plug Anima Education. If, if you'll send us the link, David, we'll make sure it's in the show notes. Um, so that people can... Yes. So if you want to know more about what's coming up in terms of courses that Anima is offering, go to animanetwork.org and just follow the link to Anima Education or just Google Anima Education. We've intending at the moment to do a series of introductions. So Natasha has done an introduction to philosophy. I've done an introduction to scripture. We'll be repeating those at some stage, but there will be things like introduction to theology, introduction to church history, and we will try and cover the basic areas of faith formation uh, as introductory courses, five-week introductory courses. I have to say that... Um... I used to think introductory. I think, oh, not again. I've done this before. But every time I've seen someone else do an introduction course, I have learned something because they approach it differently. And it's precisely because of the human interaction of that. You can you can gain something from people's passion, from their perspective, a new anecdote, a new a new way of looking at something. Yes, and when you're covering areas like big areas like philosophy or the scriptures or church history, and you're trying to do it in just ten hours, uh, five two hour courses, you are painting a trying to paint an overall unified picture, and every different teacher will have a slightly different picture from which they're working. But that's great. That's part of the beauty of um, forming our, our a rounded understanding of our faith. One thing I'd say is that it's not all canned content, even when like a program, like a university course or an adult formation thing, we should encourage our listeners, you can develop yourself with good wide reading. Mm -hmm. um, look for uh, some good reading. Usually your parishes have a small library somewhere or you could ask them if they do. 
um, and maybe form one if you don't have one already. <laughs> but having a, a good, solid Catholic reading library, um, some secular reading and have a conversation. I had some excellent conversations recently with friends who just reread um, George Orwell's novels and thought about it from a Catholic perspective. So a greater idea here is form a book group with, um, with some Catholic friends. Choose yes. a text and uh, that you will read together and read it in communion with one another and learn from each other as you read. Um, you might want to choose one of, uh, you know, just off the top of my head, one of Pope Benedict's books, perhaps. Uh, mm. Perhaps his oh, Jesus here's, here's of a Nazareth. radical concept. Yep. A radical concept might be to choose the Bible and have a look at that and it's something that, that uh, other people call a Bible study. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> or you might, yes. And and in that case, that's and that's different from what we might call a Lectio oh, yes, Divina. Yes, sorry. Don't, don't, I was teasing no, you. No, 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 no. But don't, don't. People People often, Catholics are more used to sitting down with the Bible devotionally, and that's yes. important, but it's sometimes you need to sit down. And so Alexio Divina is learning to pray with the scriptures. That's different from learning to read the scriptures in terms of asking, what am I learning from it? Um, yes. You know, in terms of building my faith up. And why I just say that I guess coming to the scriptures, this is the work and coming back to baptism and coming back to Jesus talking about the need for teaching in making disciples. What's at the heart of all adult faith formation in the Catholic Church is the word of God, whether it is the word of God through the written word or whether it is the word of God through the tradition of the church and the handed on faith of the church. That's what we're trying to connect with. And so we should not be surprised that it's exactly this which keeps the fire burning because it's the Holy Spirit is connected with the word, connected with the scriptures, connected with the teachings of the faith. You get into that and you will, um, your hunger for it will grow. It won't. And you'll it, flourish. Yeah. Yeah. You will flourish. What was that? And, and your relationships. What's that byline of your um, of your podcast? Yeah, living a fulfilled life or something of that nature. <laughs> you will. I have found people. I've had in my time back earlier on when I was a Lutheran pastor, but also when I've been teaching adult education. I have seen people pick up the scriptures often for the first time, and I have just seen them come alive in their faith simply by being immersed in the word of the Lord. Indeed. I mean, this is the purpose, really. We should. This is not an obligation to Catholics so much as an opportunity to grow. When we delve deeper into our faith, when we learn the reasons behind all of the things we've been taught, when we understand the depths of it and how it's ordered to our flourishing, then we want to flourish. And life becomes a much more joyful and hopeful Place. That brings us to um, what it says in First Peter about always being ready to give an account of your faith. And you are going to be much more ready to do that if you've prepared yourself beforehand. Indeed. One last comment on that. And uh, people sometimes use that line to justify arguing with people about everything. Um, one of the other things that St. Paul, uh, Paul tells us is don't get involved in useless quarrels about about things that don't matter and one of the the key things about catechesis and adult formation is being able to discern between what matters and what doesn't matter yeah yeah so you can get on with life. and also even peter says do it with gentleness and respect indeed
But that's all for this week's podcast. If today's discussion got you thinking or arguing or looking for some more formation, let us know. You can check out Anima Education in show notes. Uh, you can join our conversation on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Discord. Tell us what you think about these things on a review on iTunes. This is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast, and we think that's a good idea. We'll be back next week, but that's all for now. Thank you for listening to This Catholic Life. Thank you. Thank you.